what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Another week, man. God did such great things the last two weeks. Uh, we, we run the healing school here in Tampa, and awesome to see what the Lord does. Um, really, what's come of it for me in, in leading the healing school has been this belief. Uh, I've believed in the power of God. I've heard about the power of God for a long time, known that the anointing can change people's lives. But to be able to see um, in two weeks the change that comes not only in people's body but just in their mindset where you can take people from being negative, people from being uh, if everything if anything's going to go wrong it's you know it's going to happen to me and and transform them within a few days simply by the word of God. The word of God is quick, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I I truly believe that there's nothing that by the word and by the anointing that God can't fix within within a few hours. I mean, even just as the session began, there was a, a lady who came in this big boot on one of her legs, and she was, said she was in constant pain from the injury and uh, could barely walk on it in this big boot. And just sitting under the Word for the first two hours, and then we take a break and we come back in the second session um, the first day. And she said, Pastor Ryan, can I testify? I said, sure. She said, I just want to testify about how the Lord's healed my leg. She hasn't had hands laid on her. The Lord healed my leg. She's like, in between sessions, I was testing it in the bathroom and I was running on my leg and there's no pain. And that was it. She didn't come back. It's a two-week session, but she came and got what she needed and and headed on down the road. But just even, it seemed day after day, there was testimonies. Hey, my blood pressure is half of what it was. Just sitting under the word, sitting under the anointing. The word is like a fire. It's like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. You know, I've learned that as much as you esteem the word, you'll see it produce in your life. If you treat the word like, oh, I, that's why the, the attitude of, oh, I have to read the Bible is so harmful. Yes, you read the Bible. And, and even if you read the Bible in an attitude of, I have to read the Bible, the Holy Ghost can still work because the word is anointed. But when you approach the Bible, like I'm spending time with Jesus. Of all the things you get to do today, you're spending time in the word. Jesus is the word. The word has creative power in it. The Bible says in John 1, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. If you need a creative miracle in your body, there was a lady who came saying, hey, I came for this thing. That thing was healed within the first three days. And then she's like a knee injury from when I was in school, when I was in high school is gone uh, as she started praising the Lord. And then she said, you know, towards the end I was there and I didn't have anything to believe the Lord for. She said, I wanted, I, I had scars from when I was younger and I started believing the Lord and her scars started disappearing. She said she had these white sp- uh, spots on her arm from, from a bad skin condition. She said they started gaining color back. And so you see where someone comes. And these aren't people who are been in the ministry 20 years and have this, you know, it's just hearing the word of God and understanding that the Lord comes to destroy the work of the devil. As you esteem the word of God, you'll see it produce in your life. Sitting down to the word, listening to the word, rather than an attitude of, oh, this is what I have to do because I'm a Christian. You switch it and say, I'm spending time with Jesus. Of everything I could do today, out of all the famous people I could meet today, would I rather spend 15 minutes with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, or would I rather meet, you know, you'd rather, all of us would say it'd be more impactful to spend 15 minutes with Jesus. That's what the Word of God does. Lord, quicken, make this Word alive to me. But today on the podcast, um, so I just want to thank the Lord for what He did last week, man, last two weeks, uh, powerful testimonies. Um But Exodus chapter 14, I'm going to read from verse 1. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pehaharoth between Migdal and the sea, camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. 
Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel, who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pihahiroth, across from Balzaphon. As, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen when we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than to corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, they shouted. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back to its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Man, I love this story. What an, what an awesome story. Um, 
But you know, there's so much to grab out of the story. First of all, we see that God uses man. There's a key verse in Psalm 115, and it says, uh, it's verse 16, and it says that, let me read it to you here. It says that God has given the earth to the children of men. It says the heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to to the children of men, to all humanity. God made it and set it up that dominion was, uh, was given to man on planet earth. This is supposed to be man's planet. God has authority in the heavens and he gave dominion to Adam. And so this is a place where God has almost, if you will, tied his own hands to what he can do and is limited by mankind. There's a song that we sung today in church that said, um, uh, he's parting, he's moving. uh, I think it's that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Uh, I'm a child of God. And uh, he split the sea so I could walk right through it. You probably know that verse. My fears were drowned in perfect love. But I thought about that and I thought, yes, God split the sea. But God was, God used Moses to split the sea. So many people, when it comes to what God is going to do, they're asking, what's God going to do for me? Man, I just see, and they have confidence and they have a belief. Man, I, I see the Lord doing it. But it's like they're in a position of waiting. What is God going to do for me? And, and now there are things we wait for. If you pray and ask for a wife, the Bible says, who finds a wife finds a good thing. So for men, some men need to go find a wife. But there is timing. There's timing when it's wrong to get married. There's timing when it's right to get married. So there are things. But God has given us certain things, specific things that are like Moses' staff, that if we don't put them into action, we won't see the hand of God move. If you see in verse in Exodus 14, he says to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. He told Moses, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through on the dry ground. The Lord is willing to have his power displayed. God wants his, his plans to happen more than you want them to happen. He wants to see people born again. He wants his kingdom to be built. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to walk in, walk in the fullness of life. He wants these things more than you do. But there's things that have been put in our hands, which I believe people neglect. There's talents that God gives them. There's things that God has put in front of them. There's even just what we have as Christians, the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal. But God has given us things for us. Jesus didn't say, if you stand by the mountain and pray about the mountain, I'll move it. He said, if you say to this mountain, be moved, God puts us in a place of action. I see it where the devil tries to get people to a place of, of uh, stagnancy, where they stand there and they're not, they're not doing anything. They're just waiting on the Lord. You should never... If it's to do with a spouse, yes, you may be waiting on the Lord. If you're 15 and you're praying about a future spouse, hey, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. But when it comes to things that God wants in your life, things that are shown in the Bible, your healing, I want to tell you when it comes to your healing, you're not waiting on the Lord. You're, you're, you're given a staff to use. So what are the things God has given us? Number one, He's given us his word. The Bible says, is not my word like a fire and like a hammer to break the rock into pieces. If there's any bondage, if there's any rock in your life, if there's anything, any offense, if there's anything in your heart that you're crying out to the Lord about, the word of God is quick and it's powerful. 
and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is the Word of God. I can't overestimate. If you come back and we're still doing a podcast in 30 years, I'll still be talking about working the Word. There's no new revelation that I need to move on to from here that's going to be greater than the Word of God and the Spirit of God together. He's given us His Word. Understand this, the Word of God cannot be shaken. There are a few things that God has given us that cannot be shaken. And the word of God is one of them. The second thing God has given us is the power of God, the anointing. He's given us the the Holy Spirit. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, we're already going to move forward. People say, I've had friends say, hey, you know, I want, I want to, I want God to work on my heart and I want him to do things in my heart and I want him to make adjustments in my heart. And I said, that's good. I'm glad you want that. God wants the same thing too. If you can look and have cries and, and desires, Lord, I want to get past this, this sin. Lord, I want to move forward in my faith. Lord, I want to grow. I want to progress. The things that bug me now, I don't want them to bug me anymore. Those are the same desires. Those are God's desires on the inside of you. It's not a normal desire for a human being to want God to come and burn things out of them. The normal desire of a human being is the, the uh, being is a uh, human being is desperately wicked. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. You're born into rebellion. So if your desire is to win more souls, thank you. you. You have a heart that's from God. That's not a normal emotional reaction to planet earth. Oh, everyone's stupid, but I want them to be in heaven for all eternity. That's the desire of God in your heart. But he wants to see, he wants to use you and have his power to be displayed. But I've learned that your attitude and your reason why must be right. It mustn't be that you can have your ministry established. It mustn't be so you can show off. It isn't a power play for you so you can be some great man of God. If you're wanting it just so you can be famous, just so you can be recognized, I pray the Lord doesn't give it to you. But if your heart is pure, that in the depths of your heart, you want to see people make it to heaven. You have a desire to build the kingdom of God. God is looking for people that he can use in these last days by his power. And you call out to God and you begin to have a heart's cry in your prayer. Lord, use me for your glory. Lord, at my school, at my place of business. Lord, wherever I go, use me on a daily basis. The power of God cannot be shaken. The next thing is the church. You know, there's a unity. There's a, com- there's a power that comes in unity. The Bible says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God has given us each other as a source of strength. I was talking to a friend yesterday and he said, you know, the devil just wants to play dice. And I said, what is that? He says, it means, it's a, it means divide, isolate, conquer, and expose. He tries to separate people from the pack. The devil doesn't want to fight you along with 20 other people at the same time. He wants to fight you by yourself. So he tries to divide. He tries to isolate you. Then he conquers you, lures you into some sin, takes advantage of you. But then he doesn't just leave it there. He wants to expose you. He wants to shame you for it. He wants you to carry it around for the rest of your days. If that's happened to you, first thing is repent, call out to God, but then begin to read in the Bible who you are. You're not just a sinner. You're not, you're not dirty. The Bible says he, there's the washing of the water of the word. When he, when he washes you, salvation is not just forgiveness of sins. It's washing. It's, a, it's redemption. It's, it's actually a sanctification by the word of God. It's making clean. And so the, there's a unity that comes in being the body, being submitted. You know, you can't have authority without being under authority. If you're the type of person that doesn't want to submit to authority, doesn't want to have pastors, doesn't want to have leaders moving from church to church, that's a problem. Be submitted. Find a place where you're submitted and be submitted for the rest of your life. You may be going to ministry, but you're still submitted to somebody. There never, should never be a time where you're, not, you're without uh, godly leadership. 
The next thing that can't be shaken is the child, the child of God. You know, the Bible says in John 1, 12, we talked about it in the podcast called Out of This World, is that he, uh, he gave the, to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. You know, you're a son of God. That nature, you can't spend too much time understanding who you are, that you're born of God, you're born of the word, you're born of the spirit. If it's not true about God, it's not true about you. If it's true about God, it's true about you. That's why you're an overcomer, because Jesus is an overcomer and you're in him. And so as a child of God, you cannot be shaken. But what does God put in your hands? What is the, what is the Moses staff that God has put in your hands? that you've maybe neglected? Is it your time in the Word? Is it meditating in the Word? Is it praising? Is it worshiping? Is it, is it, uh, is it confessing the Word? Is it, is it, what is it? What does God put in your hand? Is it winning souls? That's a weapon. That's a weapon to see the kingdom of God advance. You want to you wanna know how to move forward rapidly in the kingdom of God? You make souls your priority. Before, if, you, if you, for a week, Every time, not for a week, for the rest of your life, but if you decided, I'm not going to pray for myself at all this week, I'm going to pray for the kingdom of God to be established, more souls to be one and the souls that are one to be established in the kingdom. You'll see, it's the principle of Matthew 6.33, you move ahead by being a kingdom person. You make his aim your aim. <laughs> you set yourself up for a life of blessing and breakthrough. And then the last thing that cannot be shaken is the throne of God, and that represents our prayer life. Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in time of need. Anytime you need help, call out to God. But remember, God has called us to action, not to sit and wait. It's up to us to use what we have, to stretch out our hand over the sea, to pick up our staff. If Moses didn't do that, nothing would have changed and they would have been hunted and killed. But Moses did it on both ends of the, uh, the sea and they saw a total victory. God has total victory for you. What is the tool? What is he what is he giving you? What is David's slingshot? What is it that he's given you to get the job done? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next podcast.